And if your God's not great this morning, I'd love to introduce you to the God of the Bible. It was more than you can imagine. Not just enough, but abundant in every single way. And gives voice to the church as we sing, How Great Thou Art. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. It is always a difficult challenge to know where to go on the Sunday following Thanksgiving. In much of my discussion with Pastor Russ, he believes that this is one of the hardest days of the year to preach. Everybody's a little bit tired from all of the celebrating, and you've been off work a little bit, and uh, lo and behold, you woke up to some snow this morning, and uh, we're glad that uh, those who didn't come out in the snow are joining us online. But there's a, there's a place that we must find ourselves that makes us always thankful There's so much to be thankful for. I was just thinking, standing here listening to you sing the last verse of that glorious hymn, a cappella, so thankful that I can hear your voices in unison singing about the goodness and the greatness of our God. We reflect back a week, and we announced that… the celebration offering was $64,000. Well, I'm here to tell you today it stands around $75,000, and God has so blessed us, and there's so much to be thankful for, and, and God's people with hearts of thanksgiving give, and, and now we can come alongside of other churches, and we can come alongside of some of these organizations who are fighting for the right of churches to meet, and and that's still happening all across this nation. Some of us think that that's all gone. It's not all gone. There are, are rules and regulations that have made it very difficult to gather together. And uh, I fear that it's going to get more difficult in the holiday seasons. But l- let's, let's be very clear about this. God's people will come together. We will worship. And we will celebrate in the season of Christmas for the gift of a Savior from the beginning of time. Thank you for your giving. Let's find out if we're always thankful or perhaps a path to always be thankful. The letter that Paul writes to the churches of Colossae, as he writes to these churches in Colossae, it's an important book in that it reminds us of some of the very same things that Peter's reminding us of in 2 Peter against destructive heresies and of false teachers and false teachings. Now, Paul's doing the same thing as he writes to the church in Colossae, but he's doing it again to, to equip them to fight against false teachers, to fight against apostasy, and interestingly enough, to fight against some of the traditions and vain philosophies that were being adopted even by those who claim to be God's people. Again, there's so much relevance to the New Testament, to the day and age in which we live. As Paul writes to these churches in Colossae, he tries to steer them away from these vain human philosophies, their own personal and private traditions, away from the false teachers and, and some of the add-ons that they have placed upon those who, who are people of faith. And he has chosen, particularly in the book of Colossians, to celebrate the preeminence and the majesty of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is always the antidote 
to a, a heart that uh, doesn't find reason to give thanks. It's always the antidote to false and vain philosophies. It's always the antidote to false teachers and, and false teachings in the church. We must reflect upon the very person and work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in an instant, that begins to change our mindset and equip us to always be thankful. Listen to what Paul writes in the first chapter of Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from this day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of God. Follow along as we continue to read. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, whether on earth or heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel you heard. Paul, the context of these letters to Colossae and the context of this particular passage is bringing together those two important elements of thanksgiving and prayer. He's introducing us to the inevitable link between 
thanksgiving and prayer. He is bringing us to the place of, of remembering that even in our prayer life, there must be a substantial element of thanksgiving in that life, even within the context of, of what we know to be true and all of the things that we find to be thankful for, we must earnestly pray, giving thanks to the Father through this same Jesus Christ who must have the preeminence in our lives and always be thankful. It is our desire today that as we, as we reflect on always being thankful, that your hearts would be encouraged that you would be blessed and that your minds would be fixed on the author and finisher of our faith as we round out this Thanksgiving season and step into the celebration, commemoration of the coming of our King, King Jesus, who we will see someday. Father, thank You for this time. We thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your blessing. We thank You for the promises of God. We ask, Lord, that as we reflect upon this text again, even if perhaps we experience some, some overflow of thanksgiving and a, and a fatigue or tiredness today, that You'd remind us of the things that matter most, that You would remind us in the good times and then remind us even in the worst of times that there's much to be thankful for, that we were called and are called always to a a spirit of thanksgiving, to remember the glorious gift that we have, this gift of a Savior who has cleansed us from our sin, who has brought divine forgiveness, who has secured us through the ministry of His Spirit, who has promised us that He is coming again. And Father, we are thankful this morning that in Christ, indeed in Christ alone, we can know that no matter what might happen in this world, there's a promise of a better day because of a great God who has called us to Himself through His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Teach us to always be thankful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. need a little bit of help from front of house this morning. The battery's dead in my clicker, so if you could kind of advance that for me, my apologies. So, thanksgiving and prayer, inseparably linked and and Paul's letters connected together, and we're going to find that he's going to talk about thanksgiving, and then he's going to talk about prayer, and he's going to wind it up about talking about those things that make and matter most, no matter what the day and age in which you live. Look at verse 3. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Paul had this practice of always giving thanks, giving gratitude and an element of praise in all of his prayers for those who God had used him to bring to salvation in Christ Jesus as a minister of the gospel, to those who responded to the truth and those who were rescued by that truth. Paul, in his concept of the local church and his concept of, of every individual and single believer, no matter what their state in life, no matter what their context, was thankful for the salvation that they had in Christ and always gave thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the time and in the season of his prayers. He puts it into context in verse 4, and he says, I am giving thanks for you because we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. 
There's a specific thanks that, that Paul was offering for these people in Colossae. We can see it in other places. We'll, we'll look at a couple of verses this morning. But he's thankful for their faith, their sincere faith in Christ Jesus. Not an intellectual faith, but a faith that, that demands obedience and a faith that found these obedient believers in Colossae, not just claiming to know the truth, but living out that truth and obedience. Obedience is a characteristic of true and genuine faith. And a lack of obedience makes our faith suspect. Jesus Himself said, if you love Me, keep My commandments. Obey My commandments. So, He's saying, I am so grateful and thank you of hearing of your faith in Christ Jesus that has manifested itself in a way of life. And He describes that way of life as being a a love for all of the saints, for the rest of the body, for all of those who have gone through this same transformation in Christ Jesus, this conglomeration of people from all different ethnicities, all different colors, all different creeds, all different nationalities, all brought together as one in Christ. And Paul said, I commend you and I am thankful that you understand what Christ has done for you. And in understanding that, you understand what Christ has done for all of the saints and realize that you are all together solely through the blood of Jesus Christ. I commend you for the love that you have for all of the saints saved by that same gospel. We can read in other places of Paul's writings throughout the New Testament but although he was thankful for those in Christ, it didn't mean that he was thankful for everything about them. There were times that Paul had to admonish. There were times that he had to correct. There were times where he had to write very sternly to believers. He, unfortunately, had times where he had to write some very sober and somber realities. I think of his last letter, Demas has left me forsaking the faith. It left a void and a hole in the Apostle Paul and his thankfulness, knowing that not all believers follow in that faith. At times, there are people who profess the truth, but their hearts are still far from God. But for these believers that he writes to in Colossae, he is so thankful that their genuine faith produced a love for all of the saints, and in essence, it was a love for what Christ had done and the hearts and lives of all of those saints. So glorious did they understand their salvation that they celebrated at the salvation of all of those in Christ Jesus because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The thanksgiving is based on that hope for all of those who place their faith in Christ that there is reserved for all of you in spite of these difficulties of life. And in Colossae, they were facing those difficulties that a better day is coming. There was a sense of certainty to the Apostle Paul who knew that those who were genuinely saved genuinely lived their faith and therefore could cling to hope. Not a a cross your fingers, well, I hope this happens but a confident expectation that the end of the Christian life, at least here on earth, commences when we see our Savior face to face. Commend you for your love and cling to the hope of promise. And this love He describes, this hope He describes began the moment they trusted 
the truth. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. The, you, you've heard in the gospel the hope that is in Christ alone, and, and that hope is just filled with theology that Paul uh, really meticulously works through in the book of Ephesians. But, but when he talks about this truth of the gospel, it is a transforming kind of truth. It is an absolute good news that changes your life, that alters your life, that moves your life from what you once were into what you now are, and Paul was always thankful for that and this truth of the gospel that had come to you is needed in the whole world, and it's indeed bearing fruit and growing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Can you imagine the Colossian believers who are listening to the Apostle Paul, who played a significant role in their salvation, now writing this letter to them, and he says, you know what? I know your faith is genuine because the moment you believe, there was a change. The world doesn't talk much about change today, at least not in a biblical kind of sense, this metamorphosis. Unfortunately, there are a lot of churches that don't talk about change today. They talk about certain truths and they engage in certain social callings or, or realities. But when it comes to true truth, when it comes to solely the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes everything, there doesn't seem to be any expectations. You can come to the gospel. You can believe this. You can have all the benefits of the gospel, but there is really no need to change. Paul will have none of that. He talks about that change from the moment these Colossian believers came to know Christ as Savior. He said, there's, there's something that happened in you. There was a divine invasion. You are not the person that you used to be. I would ask in many churches today, what about the change? You can talk about society. You can talk about social causes. You can talk about right theology. But what about the change? Those who are in Christ Jesus are changed. Are we perfect immediately? Well, we know that's not the case but we're changed immediately, aren't we? And that immediate change has an impact on the way you think. It has an impact on the, on the way you live. And although maybe you have some besetting sins or, or things prior to your salvation that, that bog you down once in a while, you at least know that you've been called to change from that person. You've been called to the gospel that changes everything. It's the very source of your hope. And for these Colossian believers, what an encouragement that Paul said, I have heard of this change through the reports that have come to me, and I celebrate you this morning from the very moment of your faith, that you're bearing fruit and growing since the very day you heard and understood the gospel and the grace of God in truth reminded of something that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. When you begin to look at the text of that gospel, the text of, of what Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he is focusing in on and celebrating the hope of the gospel, and he is reminding these Corinthian believers that the hope of the gospel that they had wasn't 
arrived to because of their own intellect or their own ability to see the truth. It, it wasn't arrived at because somehow in and of their study or themselves, they, they, they stumbled upon the truth. What Paul is celebrating is the believers who experience the opening of their eyes, the opening of their ears, and the opening of their hearts to the gospel. And everyone who loves Christ is genuinely born from above, and you are born from above not because you realize what a miserable wretch you are, not because you studied all the great world religions and stumbled upon the truth, not because you're this great intellect who's smarter than everybody else in the, in the room. No, he is celebrating that God prepared certain ears and certain eyes and certain hearts to receive the gospel. Now, for some, this is a challenge. You say, no, I did that. No, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You couldn't do anything. And I'm not asking you to understand the complexity of this deep and moving truth, but here's what I am here to tell you. You didn't arrive at this place all by yourself. God intervened in your life, and He opened your eyes, and He opened your ears, and He opened your heart. And those are these things that He prepared for those who love Him. We see Him. We get Him. We understand Him. We are thankful for Him. There's a change that has come to us because of Him. And this change is all about the gospel. And for those all over the world hearing this gospel from faithful preachers and teachers, there is fruit, and there's growth, and there's celebration, and there is thanksgiving. It changes you. The gospel changes everything. In a very personal way, it has changed these believers who are receiving this letter of the churches of Colossae from the day they heard it and understood the grace of, of God and truth, a genuineness that only comes when the Father opens your eyes and your ears and your heart and rescues you through Christ Himself. Peter O'Brien, in his commentary of Colossians through Philemon, Word biblical commentary said, the gospel produced a vigorous and increasing fruit of Christian life and testimony, Colossae, and was working in that same dynamic way throughout all of the world. God has saved us to change us. God has called us together to live that changed life. God is transforming us for the very promise of His Word, and we must be thankful for that gospel of grace. We must be thankful that He opened our eyes. We must be thankful that He opened our ears. We must be thankful that He opened our hearts. We must be thankful for everyone else that He's done that for, and we must shed all other identities, and all of us understand that we are one in Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And Paul said, for that I have much reason to give thanks. Oh, and by the way, I'm thankful that you're bearing fruit, that I can see it. Fruit is the element of a transformed life. I'm thankful that you're growing. The greatest blessing in my life in ministry, now having preached here for almost 21 years, is to hear people come up to me and say, thank you for your faithfulness to the Word. I'm learning and growing so much. 
You need to be thankful for God the Father through Jesus Christ, for He's the one that opens your ears and opens your eyes and opens your heart. And it, it's a special thing for a minister of the gospel to hear <laughs> that you're bearing fruit and growing. That's what this is all about. It's not about what you give. It's not about your perfect attendance. It's not about your pedigree. It's not about even your ability to answer Bible trivia. Sometimes we score spiritual maturity with Bible trivia. That, that's nuts. That's just nuts. You know a lot of stuff, but doesn't mean you know person and the substance behind that stuff, you're growing. And what does Peter say? In grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you growing? It's a sign of genuine faith. And Paul says, I am so thankful for that, and I celebrate that, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, was a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Again, Epaphras and the minister didn't do this. I didn't do this. I am blessed that God is using me to do something in your life as He opens your ears and your eyes and your heart, and you're growing. And I'm thankful that I've heard and it's been known, been known unto us your love in the Spirit. So, Combining that heart of thanksgiving for the glorious gospel and the work that was taking place, for the change that was measurable in the lives of these Colossian believers, he says, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. There's a special teaching in that that's implicit in nature. Seems to to be that Paul understands what they're going to face in this change. He understands that in the process of this change, there are going to be false teachers and false teachings. There's going to be this reliance upon the self. There's going to be this fallback that, that, that we as Christ people somehow think we did this. We're better than everybody else. No, you're not better. God has simply chosen to open your eyes and your ears and your heart, and that ought to create this sense of thanksgiving. So Paul says, from the day we heard about this change, this transformation, we've continued to pray for you, knowing the obstacles, knowing the distractions, knowing these vain philosophies and traditions that, that get in the way of the celebration of the things that matter most. As we pray for you, we're asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then in your growth, you will develop through the ministry of the Holy Spirit as God continues to open your eyes and your ears and your heart. You know, the gospel is never embraced in a life-changing kind of way unless God intervenes and opens our eyes and our ears and our hearts. But the Christian life cannot be lived unless the Holy Spirit takes the Word and opens our eyes and our ears and our heart. So Paul says the way to keep growing, the way, the way to keep producing fruit, the way to continue with your faith is praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
that you would have a complete and total depth of understanding, a thorough knowledge of what God has done for you, what God is doing in you, how God is increasing you in knowledge and understanding of the things contained in the book, and you're growing. Remind you that Paul, in this prayer of thanksgiving, is not praying for those who are broken. Not praying for those who are ill. It's not praying for those who were facing deepest and darkest difficulties in life. He's praying for those that that he's impressed with. They're doing really well, but they're not home yet. You know, sometimes our prayer life gets consumed with with temporal needs. Paul said, no, I'm praying for more than just temporal needs. I'm praying for you who are growing and bearing fruit, those who are on the top of their game right now and are showing spiritual understanding. And I'm praying for you that you don't lose that place, that you don't slip back, that you don't buy into these false teachings. How often do we pray for people in times of strength? And I wonder if praying for people in times of strength will help them when they face the next challenge in life. Paul's not praying for the people in in greatest need. He's praying for the people who he is now commending. But he knows a day that things will get sideways in their life. He knows a world in which things will go sideways. He knows that people will question their faith and doubt will sometimes overtake their mind. He says, I'm praying for you that you might be filled, that you might be overwhelmed. I'm praying that that you will be totally and completely enveloped with truth in such a deep and thorough way that, that even when these difficult times come, you will stand. You'll stand the test of time, and you'll, you'll stand this, this, this reality that's not all going to be blessed times of fruit-bearing and growth. There will be difficult and dark days. I'm praying for you in thanksgiving that God is equipping you today for those days. I don't know about your life. Let me tell you how it works in my life. God always takes me through things to teach me a deeper understanding of who He is and what He's doing. Get me ready for what's coming next. And sometimes in my flesh, I don't want to know what's coming next. Teach somebody else for a little bit, Lord, would, would you please? No, He's preparing those, those people who are growing in grace and knowledge for what's coming next. And there's a next for every one of us. He's saying, I'm praying and thanksgiving that when that next comes, they're going to be okay. They're going to stand the test of time. They will be filled with the truth in such a way that they won't lose their way through life. I'm praying, verse 10, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him controlled by the wisdom and understanding that he's praying for, this walk is a, a manner of life, that, that everything about your manner of life would be worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing to Him according to His plan revealed in the pages of Scripture, beginning in the day that we believed in this gospel of grace that changed absolutely everything. And Paul's praying for those who do well, 
again, because they're not home yet. Still work to be done. And even as I reflect upon the congregation here, so thankful for the the spiritual strength and understanding of so many of you, there's still these little corners of our life that need to be rounded off a little bit and addressed, isn't there? We're not home yet. So Paul's praying that they would walk based on this spiritual wisdom and understanding in a way that is pleasing to him, bearing fruit, even more fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There's this process that takes place. They're bearing fruit, he says. They are growing. And now he is praying that as they increase in their wisdom and understanding, they would bear more fruit and they would increase more in the knowledge of God and they would grow even more fully the context of Scripture, to live a life of faithfulness, a lifestyle, habitual present tense that is pleasing to God based upon the things that they have learned. Here's how Peter said it in 2 Peter chapter 1. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfaithful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Paul goes on to speak to the church of Colossae over, speaking of that ineffect Christian life when we stop learning, when we cease to be filled with the knowledge of His will. We stop walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. When we stop bearing fruit and stop increasing in our knowledge of God. So in this prayer of thanksgiving, He is thankful for what they have done, and now He was bringing them before the throne for what comes next. He says in verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power. May there be a continuous action of empowerment in your life when faced with its challenges to have spiritual wisdom and understanding and to walk worthy and to be fully pleasing and to bear fruit and to increase in knowledge. May you be strengthened with all power. We know that comes through the Holy Spirit of God who resides in us. Paul's, may, may you understand where that power comes from. May you know that power. I am praying that as strong as you are today, you just get stronger as you understand that you can do everything through Christ who gives you strength, that you be invigorated even in the worst of times according to His glorious might, according to what He is doing, not the strength that you can muster yourself. For all endurance and impatience with joy, He seems to be indicating It's not all going to be easy. Uh, There's a time coming. You'll need to learn to be patient in circumstances. You'll need the faithfulness to see things through and not back down from the truth. You'll need to call out the false teachers, the deceptive philosophies, and the vain destructive heresies and lies, where you will be the focal point of the culture attacked in ways that 
You can't even imagine today, in the midst of all of that, I'm asking that you would be strengthened with all power, that that comes through His glorious might, and that you would endure. You notice He doesn't say thrive. (laughs) He was thankful that they were thriving. Now He's reminding them there's going to come a day that you won't be thriving. You just have to endure. I know some of you are at that place right now. Always thankful, Pastor. You don't know what I'm going through. You, You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm facing. I'm here to tell you God does. God knew. He knows. He will supply the strength. He will give you what you need to endure. He will provide you the patience and the joy with thanksgiving, even in the worst of times. When he says patience with joy, he's talking about being patient with people. Boy, I need that once in a while. Usually happens on a Sunday morning, right? Somebody races you up the hill because they got to get here first. Doesn't happen, right? Patience with joy and even temperedness, even to those who wish to do us harm. Pain is a reality of life. And I find it really interesting that Paul is praying for the Colossian believers when they're up here, knowing they're going to be knocked down to here. And he's saying, I'm praying that you find patience with joy. When it happens, it's not if. When it happens, sometimes we get this notion that the Christian life and being a Christian is is all roses and flowers and, and happiness and joy. No, it's hard sometimes. It's really hard at times. One of the biggest attacks on biblical Christianity is this whole notion of evil and pain. If your God is so good, why are you going through those times? Well, pay attention to the text and be reminded that your God is so good in those times. C.S. Lewis wrote much about this. One statement in particular in his text, The Problem with Pain, struck me. The real problem is not the way some pious, humble, believing people suffer. (laughs) The real problem is why some don't. In other words, he's echoing the words of Jesus in this world. You will have tribulation. They hate me. They're going to hate you too. Instead of looking around at how come they're not suffering, I am praying that in the midst of your suffering, you look inward and you look upward to Christ and you find your way and you find your strength and and you stand in endurance and patience even in the worst of times. In that same text, C.S. Lewis writes, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences, but He shouts in our pain. It's His megaphone to rise and arouse a dead world. That's where Christianity is lived out. 
That's where the rubber meets the road. And Paul is saying, you are blessed indeed today, but there's a day coming, and I'm praying for endurance and patience with joy that you will learn to give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. Why do we be thankful? You notice he is not calling us to be thankful in our circumstances. We're to be thankful And the Father who lives above those circumstances, who has called you and opened your eyes and your ears and your heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ that guarantees an inheritance of the saints, a a, a total inheritance when we see Him, become like Him. But it was God alone who qualified you. You are not qualified yourself. There's nothing you can do to qualify yourself yourself. It is the Father who qualified you, who, who, who gave you the open eyes and the open ears and the open heart to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has illuminated you. In essence, Paul's also praying, now may He illuminate you in the midst of your pain, and may you endure with joy and thanksgiving. That's why we can say to those who are thriving and those who aren't, always thankful. But it also reminds us that there must be an earnest element of prayer with our thanksgiving, not just for others but for ourselves, because there's going to come that day. Are you going to stand? It is the will of the Father that you stand, that you endure, and that you have patience, and that you have joy and that you're always thankful. Second Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gifts. That's a really interesting text. Paul's dealing in that context with the giving of the church at Corinth. He's revealing to them that God has supplied all that they were able to give to Him and to other churches. They took up a collection for the saints. God is reminding them that that collection for the saints is because God changed their heart and mind, and, and they weren't just to consume all of these good and precious gifts that come from above on an individual basis. They were to share that blessing with others. That's why we do a celebration offering. Paul's not celebrating a celebration offering. He is celebrating the reason we give, the reason we're no longer self-consumed the reason that we have joy and endurance and patience. And what is that reason? It is the surpassing grace of God, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God did that. God did that. He's prepared for you ahead of time everything that you need. He supplies everything that you need. He gives you temporal blessings, and all of that is based upon surpassing grace of God. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. There is no endurance. There is no patience. There is no joy. There is no thanksgiving outside of God. It is all temporal. You live for the here and now. So, our bro is famous for saying, today without Christ doesn't count forever. For those who claim the name of Jesus, today counts forever. He is, he's gotten you ready for something bigger and better than you can ever 
imagine this inheritance of the saints. Listen to this. For He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He rescued you from your sin through the blood of His Son. You don't have to live in that darkness any longer. He transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, and it happened in an instant. Once vessels of wrath fit for destruction, and now children of the King. What a glorious truth that is. You know how that happens? In Christ alone. In Christ alone. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In the midst of our thanksgiving and always being thankful. What must consume us? What must drive us? What must supply in times of need the endurance and the patience and the joy as the truth of the word? our confidence in the Christ who opened our eyes and our ears and our hearts, the confidence to know that a better day is coming. William Hendrickson, speaking of this text, says, we've been transplanted not out of darkness into semi-darkness, but out of dismal darkness into marvelous light. There is no comparison. Those living a menial Christian life do not understand the abundance that you have in Christ grow up, be filled with knowledge and wisdom. And it doesn't mean you don't have it. It simply means you need a little bit more of that. And until we see Him, isn't it true we all need a little bit more of that? Peter O'Brien, again in his text on Colossians, said he, meaning Paul, desired that they might grow in spiritual knowledge in order to combat the dangers facing them. I chose this text because it parallels what we learned in 1 Peter and in 2 Peter. You think it's bad now, you just wait. What do we have have to fear? What do we have to be afraid of? God is equipping us right now to to always be thankful even in the worst of times because of His glory and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the context of always being thankful, let's remember and repeat this prayer for each other. The interesting thing about some of the prayers and some of the, the passages of Scripture, both in Old and New Testament, as the context matters, certainly Paul was praying for the believers at Colossae as they were facing these steps of philosophies and, and heresies and false teachings and, and, and difficult times that lie ahead. But within that confine of time and space, at a specific place in time, in, in, in that specific place of, of, of Colossae, that that valley that that Paul ministered in. Paul knew what their needs were when they were on the top of the mountain, knowing that eventually they would be in that valley. And although he was so, so thankful for the grace of God, he coupled his thanksgiving with prayer. Here's my encouragement to you. Always be mindful to couple your thanksgiving with prayer. You say, well, I don't know how to pray, pastor. Well, here's a thought. 
And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual understanding and wisdom, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. If you find no other reason this weekend to give thanks, there's always a reason to give thanks. And it's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Always thankful. Does that characterize you? Maybe there's a little growth that you need. Thankful in difficult circumstances, we all need to grow a little bit in that area. Thankful for stuff, there's an important place to name the things that we're thankful for. But I fear sometimes in the season of Thanksgiving, we forget the things that matter most. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift that we have in Jesus Christ. And for that alone, we can always be thankful. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, dead in trespasses and sin, and now alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Prepare us for whatever lies ahead. Equip us with endurance, with patience, with joy, and thankful hearts, knowing that a better day is coming. That's all that we have. Remind us that's all that we need, and teach us to give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.